What are you doing here, nigga? I'm not gonna ask you again. Young man, I've had a long day. I'm tired. I'm not tired enough to ever let nobody call me that word. You see a nigga standing in front of you? Across the street from a building named after one of our greatest heroes? Yeah, a dead one. You even know who Crispus Attucks was. A free black man. The first man to die for what became America. He could have acted scared when those Brits raised their guns, blended in in the crowd. But he stepped up. He paid with his life, but he started something. That's what Pop did, not me. I laid in the cut until he stepped up, and it cost him his life too. I ain't laying back no more. You wanna shoot me? Pull the trigger, nigga! I got all night! Do it! What? You scared? Fine. I'll do it for you. You're traveling to another radio show. Broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Midweek in Review. You know what time it is, the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the uncanny Daryl B. Uh, Pro the last conversation, by the way, Captain, I was in shape during that last conversation. I was in shape. I was in shape. Anyway, <laughs> the call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Uh, always the same spiel, people. Uh, 
feel free to call in with your questions, queries, protestations, disagreements, statements, proclamations, whatever. We can handle it. Not a big deal. Um, We have a lot to actually unpack just quickly. Linda Brown, the famous young plaintiff back in 1954 that essentially dismantled this young girl, dismantled segregation in American schools. So uh, she passes at the age of 75. Talk about her. We've got to talk about this inane comment that Rick Santorum, former Senator Rick Santorum, now a CNN correspondent or commentator, made about suggesting that the young people involved in the recent March for Our Lives protest, that maybe instead of trying to uh, enact policy or to try to uh, agitate for a policy change, instead of doing that, because somehow that's dishonorable, maybe they should just learn CPR. I kid you not. Uh, We're going to talk about some comic book stuff, too. I I want to throw that in there. There's some things that are popping off that I did not advertise because they just popped off. Donald Glover puts out a – puts out actually a script to, to, I guess, uh, to kind of dispute what Marvel has said, Pool Project. We spoke about the cancellation of the Deadpool Project, the FX – animation um, project that he was connected to, he and his brother. And uh, I, it was, we, I guess we were led to believe that he, had, he didn't have enough time for it, or as they always say, creative differences. And he says, no, that's not it. So we'll talk about that. I think we might lead with that, and then we'll get, we'll get, we'll get a bit more serious. All right, people, let's get to the Herb Alt Groove. You know how that works. Um, I'm going to try to play some more. Um, Afropunk. Well, I do play, play my fair share Afropunk and everything, but I think one of our listeners got it twisted. <laughs> he thinks you don't play rock music. I think he, I think he referenced um, Soundgarden, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Soundgarden. But and you know, listen, I, I do play all types of music, but we do try to emphasize black indie, Afropunk, and the Black Rock Coalition because. That's directly connected to this blurred movement. That we we are actively playing music that you really will not hear. Soundgarden has gotten some burn, okay. Pearl Jam has gotten some burn, but I don't know about Prophets of Rage getting burned or Fishbone getting burned. I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure the uh, Uncanny will be able to chime in on that one. Anyway, let's get into this quick groove and then we'll we'll, we'll get it in. This is Michelle Indegiocello who we were fortunate enough to see at Afropunk a few years ago. She has a new album of covers, of covers. So this is Night and Day. You know who Night and Day, I'll be sure. Her version of it. We'll give you about two minutes, and then we'll get into the discourse. Michelle and Degocello. Let's get to it. We'll be right back.
between the great Michelle and Deggie Ocello night and day covering, you know who, I'll be sure. Anyway, folks, let's get to it. This is the Midweek in Review edition of After featuring Captain Kirk. And then there is the captain. Captain, you need it on the bridge once again of the USS McAllister. Or, pardon me, Callister. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone. Lighter, darker, Sammy Sosa, color issue world is what it seems like. Let's get started, though. Yes, um, we are fortunate enough to have this gentleman be a major player with our Afro Nerd Radio Machine for many years now, of course. I could could not do the show, and I mean that sincerely, could not do the show without this gentleman and his knowledge and what he brings to the game. We do frustrate frustrate each other on occasion when we really go uh, a, a battle over whatever it is. Um, I don't think we battle too much over comic book stuff, though. It's other things, I think. Uh, I'll let him tell you that. Anyway, this gentleman has an eidetic memory. He is a mutant uh, in, in the most kindest way uh, when it comes down to comic book knowledge and, of course, sports knowledge. He is the uncanny Daryl B. Live from New York, Rock City, I am back. Let's get it started. All right. Listen, you know what, Daryl? Let's just, let's just start from some comic book stuff, and then we'll get into more serious fare. I just want to do that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Black Lightning, but before we get it, even get into that, uh, Donald Glover is not really afraid to, to kind of put out there his true feelings. Maybe that's the generation. I think years ago when things were problematic, people would keep things secret. But now because of social media, if there's a problem, if uh, a corporation comes out with a formal statement, these people will say, no, 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 that's not what happened. So... From last week, I think we did speak about it briefly. All we heard was that, well, uh, Donald Glover and his brother, they were the writing team, the creative team behind this uh, project, which I was actually actually looking forward to, a Deadpool FX animated series. Their names were attached, and then next thing you know, they're no longer attached, and the whole thing is always... As you always hear, uh, they parted ways because of creative differences. But then a week and a half later, Donald Glover tweets out a final script for his Deadpool project. And he puts out some question marks as to, you tell me why you think this didn't work out. I had the time. It, wasn't a, it was not a time issue. He, he kind of hinted that racial issues might have been at play an all-black writing team. What are your thoughts about what he's saying, Daryl? Well, well, here's the first thing. Marvel does not learn. If you say creative differences, leave it at that. Leave it at that. Don't go further. What happened was, I think late Monday, late Monday, word leaked out from Marvel that, oh, 
Glover really didn't have time to do this or, oh, it's not their best work. Shut up. Don't, you could have left it at creative differences and all of this could have been in-house. But no, like once again, someone in Marvel had to talk and to say that was the reason. Now, here's the thing. All of these creators are connected on social media. So Glover probably saw this person's tweet or release through another thing and go like, oh, oh, they're going to do that to my name? Okay, let, let, me, let me just drop this Wednesday morning, uh, a.k.a. New Comic Book Day. Once that script got released on New Comic Book Day, every nerd, blurred, geek, <clears throat> poolhead, they're all on Twitter. That thing gets released. Half of that crowd is ready for this. They, they're disappointed. What the hell happened? And now all of a sudden, huh, it's a full script. It's a funny script. Uh, this looks like Donald Glover had the time. And then Donald Glover goes, I, I obviously had the time. What's the real problem? He just threw down the gauntlet right there and went, all right, Marvel, prove me wrong. How didn't I have the time? Marvel, for as many successes as they had, this will be, what, the third incident? I think Captain will remember. Is this the third incident when it comes, comes to creative talent behind the, behind the camera? Because you had the Edgar Wright thing, all right? Now this one with Donald Glover. I think there was one more incident with a director that that got thing. I just can't recall it at that time. Listen, you you could just throw in the Black Panther thing. Just throw it in there with it. Remember, they didn't want to shoot it. Remember that box they were over there? Even though it's not directly (laughs) to a director, we could just throw that in, man. You understand? Yeah. And we're not going to yeah. be able to do it. You know, it's too hard to do. Yada. Meanwhile, you got Thor with the Great Bridge over there with Asgard. Stop. Go ahead. Yeah. For all those well, people that well, say we don't, like, we don't get on Marvel. For all those people that say uh, that. Yeah, because cause, hey, uh, truth be told, uh, that's where I become one of these Zack Snyder stands when it comes to Edgar Wright because I really wanted to see his vision for Ant Man. You know. But we 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 not gonna get that. And the first movie was was to me it was great. So you know I I kind of don't want it anymore. But I'm still curious. Well, this Donald Glover thing right here, if he didn't blow up the bridge, he may just do for the project what Ryan Reynolds did by releasing that script. The buzz for is higher than ever, ever. So it may, if, if Marvel was going to say X nay on this, because we all have been seeing the problems that the Fox movies that Marvel quote unquote acquired has been having, um, like New Mutants, like Dark Phoenix getting pushed back to, to God knows when, maybe this was going to happen to Deadpool, or maybe it was going to be in Purgatory. But what Donna Glover did just put that movie back in the freak uh, movie, that cartoon series back into the spotlight. So I don't know, Afro nerd. Donald Glover may intentionally he either helped his project or he set it on fire with like napalm and and gasoline and and instead of lighting a match, he fired a missile at it. Back to you. Yeah, uh, Captain, any thoughts? I'm, I'll give you some, some of my impressions quickly, and then we'll move forward. But it, believe it or not, the most simple 
topics. I mean, this seems yeah. to be kind of an, an innocuous topic. Um, no, I, no, I have no. I have you a number ahead. of thoughts about this. What are your thoughts? You I have ahead, a number of sir. things to say. Me? Oh, I'll, I'll just say quickly. Yeah. Um, one, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm always nervous when, especially a man of color, uh, starts to kind of make a ruckus in a corporate situation, and he might have actually had a decent relationship with, relationship with Marvel. You know, uh, just ask. Um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The uh, uh, who played uh, played um, War Machine the first time out. Um, Terrence Howard. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Howard. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Ter- Terrence Howard. I mean, you know, we fam- famously know that he was the highest paid actor for Iron Man one, um, but by Iron Man two, you know, it was all about RDJ. And uh, I, I don't think he was willing to take a pay cut. I mean, you know, there's been a number of stories. Uh, you know, RDJ alle- allegedly didn't kind of di- didn't kind of um, uh, hold out for his boy or speak up for his boy. And you know, Hollywood's full of duplicitous people. So you know, I don't know what I don't know what to say. And and then you also know that um, Howard is kind of a difficult guy. You know, as far as personality, he's a phenomenal actor, but Anyway, I know that Donald Glover had campaigned for many years for, for the Miles Morales thing, and unfortunately he has aged out of that. So they were able to finagle him as Miles Morales' uncle in the Homecoming film, Spider-Man Homecoming. He's done some animation stuff as Miles Morales, so I thought that was cool. So he was kind of in the family. And then here we come up again with uh, FX. Now, FX is his employer for Atlanta. So I doubt, I doubt that is, has harmed his gig over there because Atlanta is very popular. But still, you know, um, I get very nervous when people are in the mix and they don't necessarily know how to navigate these corporate waters. You know, we see that with, um, with Monique. So I don't want to I don't want to like go to the next level and say he's the male Monique, but you you have to be careful how you navigate these personalities in a corporate setting. That that's one of my things. And I'm thinking also because he has that blurred aesthetic. Let me repeat. Because he has that blurred aesthetic and I think he has bl- blurred credentials, they might have thought that well, you know, his involvement in Deadpool might be a safe bet. Like Daryl was, was he? And I know um, his brother Jonathan and himself, they were involved in this. But was he going to be? I'm not sorry, Jonathan. Steve, Stephen. Pardon me, Stephen Glover. Was he going to be the voice of Deadpool? As far as I know, they didn't do any casting yet. So it, that was still up in the air. All, all the Glovers were was producers. Direction and and script writers for the moment, so they made it sound like oh they're far behind oh he I guess he doesn't have time for us and I'm like really <laughs> oh okay you re- again social media again you put that out in public he's a blurred he's probably one of the top five blurs the world you don't think we're gonna pick up on that. And you don't think he's going to pick up on that? And he got him. He got him. Well, and what I'm getting at, 
well, what I'm getting at is, um, again, the working relationship thing. Um, if 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 he's not the voice of Deadpool, and you know, be that as it may, I don't know how this is going to work. If you're if he's writing this thing and writing it, I'm just saying, if he's writing it and writing it a little too Afrocentric, without the balance that Marvel would want to see. That might be really what's at stake, and what and where he's referencing racism. Because I'm looking at some of the some of the jokes that he's putting out there. You know, um, I think he I think he even referenced uh, Beyonce's face getting bitten or something like that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. He I mean, did. listen, listen. That would be hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. If he was going into that, and that that's not like that's not like. Um, uh, a counter to the character's personality. Okay, so we could see that, but you know, that one episode took place in Kenya. You know, everything is very topical. But you know, again, if you're doing a white character, they mu- they may say, okay, listen, we can't have a white character going too fourth wall black. And and I would almost agree with that. I would say, listen, you got to put some jabs. Uh, the great Dwayne McDuffie, he was able, and probably was probably more masterful, in, in sl- slipping in little black-isms to give it some flavor. But if you go f- full black on a white character, the, the suits may get uncomfortable. And he's claiming racism. That's the one thing I'm, I, I, I'm concerned about, having read what, what was going on. Was, everything I read was like, it might as well have been, you know, it's not like you're doing a Blade movie. If you're doing a Blade animated thing, well, maybe I can see that. You're doing Deadpool. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, Cass, well, you got background off. noise there. You got background noise. Sorry, that's... that's can, I, can I say this? I'll put this yeah, question sure, out. sure, sure. Can, I, can a corporation turn down somebody in 2018 without having to come out with a mass explanation why it did not go through. You know, corporations, even though he's saying one thing, and the corporations saying one thing, this lends also to Darrell, what Darrell was saying. Because Darrell was saying, Marvel just need to shut up. <laughs> you know, can a corporation just more or less say, well, right now it's it's not convenient. We have a lot of deadlines. We have this, have this type of thing going on. That happens in corporations all the time without there being any backlash. Was this something that's totally, you know, put out there by Marvel, inspired by Marvel, this, this, this type of situation? Or is it just something that's just uh, drifting out of hand? I pose that to both of you. Well, look, um, first of all, Marvel did put out a, a, a standard boilerplate, you know, creative differences, We've heard creative differences for, for almost 100 years. If something goes down, not, you know, it could be all, all, all kinds of histrionics. But this is, you know, they did this back in the days when they had conventional gossip media, print media, and uh, you didn't have social media. Social media is just way too, too insider. And I, I think you've got to make the distinction between Marvel and a disgruntled or some employee that makes some off-the-cuff, Remark on Twitter. I mean, that's what the, your president doesn't know how to play this finesse this line. So you're talking about the very top 
and this guy says all kinds of off the wall things on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter does not have any filter. Twitter is like it's so psychological between your brainstem and the computer keyboard. There's no thought. It might as well just be a direct pipeline from what's in your your most inner intimate thoughts goes straight to the computer. I've never seen anything like it. So this, I don't, I really can't blame Marvel per se because from what Daryl said, it appears to be some guy. Either you know maybe a, a maybe a a um, and I'll bring Daryl in because of the noise. But Daryl referenced a gentleman that uh, you know I guess is, works for Marvel or maybe some Marvel exec, and you know he's not really I guess he represents the corporation. But you see what I'm getting at? He just blurts out something that he thinks is innocuous, not knowing that you can't speak, you can't say everything out loud. Okay. Let me bring in Daryl. Gotcha. Well, but but again, that's the whole thing. Uh, I mean, Marvel does the creative statements thing, and I'm not sure if that what was said about Glover was said underneath the Marvel thing. If if it was underneath Marvel's account and they said that, then it's a major f up. It's 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 just right. That on the level of f up, this goes past Esposito. You know that right there because it's a bad look all around. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll pose this to the two of you. It is Deadpool. Could this be one big swerve? Could this be what I said, that, that they did this to drum up interest in the project again? I, I, you never know because it's Deadpool. This is going major fourth wall, major insider we're here. It would be just the type of controversy to get people into the project again. Well, well did they – you know what? Listen. <laughs> I can't put anything. <laughs> I can't, exactly because now, listen. I will say this. I I detest this this rapper Takashi Six Nine. I detest him, and I I think he's but he's big. He's big after He's big. But, but look, who who I don't know who that is. I don't care to you know who, who that is. is. You know, who I don't know is. who he is. I don't know who he is. I haven't listened to any of his stuff. Oh wait, wait! Well, you're talking about Rainbow Bright. That's what okay. You're yeah, about. I know you know who he is. Okay, all right. Okay, I never knew his well, name. I didn't want to know his name. Well, look, he was on he was on the Breakfast Club, and even Joe Button, New Jersey's own Joe Button, Button, pardon me, Button, he said that he looked at it one way. He said he looked at the interview three times, which is probably mistake number one. He has a lot more patience than I do. I got the gist with this guy. But he looked at it twice and thought one way, and by the third time, he said, you know what? This kid ran that interview, and when he commented on the interview, he said the interview had around 4 million views. By the time I looked at it, it had 7 million views. So who is the fool? And he said the last person, the last person that pulled that off, who he mistook for being a dummy, was 50 Cent. That's right. He and might be up now in his, in his Instagram, 50 Cent. <laughs> hey, you hey, you, you know what? Yeah, we have seen it before. Remember, remember Kanye with Taylor Swift? How, how everybody that supported Taylor from, from Kanye, I keep on saying, did you see who the executive producer of that album was? 
Kanye West. So you bought her album. I'm going to stick it to Kanye. You gave him money. The 50 Kanye beef. Oh, 50 Kanye. We got to support. Got to support. Oh, oh, oh. It's 50. It's Kanye. Under the same record label or the same distributor. So they both got money off of you. So this, you never know. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so we're making the analogy in respect to Mr. Glover here with this. That's what we're doing. That's right. Well, that's that's all I'm saying. For the moment, okay. We don't know, but if it's true, if this is true, if it's not a work, and again, given the character in question, it's Deadpool. You know me, Cap. I'm a professional wrestling fan. I gotta yeah. have ultimate proof because I think everything is a work. You know, <laughs> you go like given and given Deadpool and the fourth wall thing. This is just the thing to get people riled up. Oh, we gotta support Glover. We gotta support Deadpool. And you all go in to buy it. And in the back room, there's Glover and Marvel and FX counting the money. <laughs> well, look, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what's true. I'm at I'm at OKPlayer.com, right? And it has uh, it has a quote from Glover, and um, I'll leave it at this. He says, uh, "You know, I'm not mad about this whole canceled thing. I actually think it's a good thing. I mean, is it even a good time to have a violent, gun-loving white man ranting on TV, other than the president?" Now, okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> now, I, I, now the writer at the OK Player, she says, uh, Jasmine Joyner uh, is a is young lady that wrote this thing. She says, uh, in closing, it's moments like this where you can see the benefit of having a show like this on television outside of the late night circuit. Where can you see a major Marvel character comment on Stefan Clark and, and police? I think, I mean, Stephen Clark. Stephen Clark and I'm still calling him Stefan. Stephen Clark and police brutality in a way that can be digestible to the masses. I believe FX and Marvel really screwed up by canceling the show. They threw away the opportunity not only to have a fantastic show led by one of the best comedy writers in the business, but a platform where, through humor, they could educate and bring awareness to vital and often ignored topics. I mean, you see, again, I, we would have seen this show, right? But the movie's coming out. I don't know. I don't know how much heat a cartoon would have after the movie. But based on all this hullabaloo, now I really want to see the the Glover version of Deadpool. Whereas before I did, I was I was mildly interested. Now I'm really interested. So if they were really smart, they need to figure this out. Because <laughs> everything's about controversy and heat, and that and plus that character. I mean, you know, let's not let's not pretend. This character is an out there R-rated character, so I have no idea what's going on here. I think it's a little crazy. Anyway, let's move things along a little bit, uh, folks. Again, this is the midweek review review edition of After the Future and Captain Kirk. As always, when we talk about the most innocuous and named topics, we can really dig in. Right. You can even dig in on a Deadpool cartoon. It's just the way we think. I didn't expect I, I should have been a five minute conversation, but it, it really isn't. Uh, let's move forward. Black Lightning. Um, I know some folks may have a may feel a certain way about Black Lightning, but I must say I'm I'm I'm, I'm in I'm in it. I am in it. I, I do like. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, listen, I I appreciate 
Q Storms, you know, Q Storm, our, our stalwart supporter from uh, podcastjuice.net, and of course the red shirt. And I don't, I don't think he dislikes uh, black lighting, but I think he's disappointed with, again, as he famously says, you know, uh, heroes of color should be fighting Thanos and fighting the Celestials and all, and, and, and you know, and doing all kinds of fantastic stuff as opposed to dealing with La La in the hood. Um, I, I, I hear him, but I think, you know, this series has a lot of stuff going on. Maybe we, maybe we will get to that point. Cause I think that even as, even we have to admit at some point, you know, you can't just be in the hood completely. But what are your thoughts about where this is going right now with the kind of government conspiracy? It has hints of, of the Tuskegee experiment. Um, I mean, you know, listen, you know, it's, it's got a lot of things going on. What are your thoughts about this, Daryl? Let's go to Daryl. Well, 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 shout out, shout out to Black too, because this got a lot of hints of Black in it now too, and uh, Q's going to get his wish. There, if if you didn't see the last episode, there were a lot of pods. Those were a see. lot of well, don't pods. Worry. I'm coming. All right, <laughs> all right, no. No problem. I, I, I just said that. Uh, you, you, could, you could gather from it what you will. But the last episode that just happened, you will like the last episode because they brought in a lot of treads together. And um, I, I don't know, uh, Afrener, you saw it, right? You saw the last episode? Yeah, I did. I did. All right. You talk about a roller coaster ride in the middle. And. I will just say this. This is the only part I will spoil. If you are a JSA fan, a JSA fan, the, the EKG scanner scene, oh, my God, I geeked out at that. Just tremendously geeked out at that. And you know what? Props. This is where I give the writers props because they have examined this character's origin or at least her first appearance when you first saw her, and they have nailed her, nailed her. Because in the beginning of JSA, you couldn't stand this character either, and you grew to eventually like her. So they they're getting some of this is down, but let's 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 cut to the quick, folks out there. This is not a traditional superhero story. This is a black family drama draped in the superhero story. And I got that right away. People are now coming around to to how I'm thinking about it. But hey, I give credit to the showrunners because this this has been cool. Back to you, Afrener. Yeah. Uh, again, to the listening audience, of course, we're talking about the Tony Isabella, um, a creation, Black Lightning, going back into the 70s. Uh, who was the, the artist that we saw? Um, I, I apologize, but, uh, Trevor Von Eden. I knew it would kick in, Trevor Braun Eden. So, uh, first of all, I hope those two gentlemen are getting some kind of uh, checks from this Black, Light, Black Lightning thing. I mean, I hope that is the oh, case. The, well, the best thing about this, uh, it's not being said, is now Tony Isabella is everywhere on the on Twitter now. He never used to be on Twitter. Now he is talking and giving ideas, pitching stuff. You know, I, I, I stumbled into a convo that he was having with um, – Christine Adams and and 
Nafresa Williams. I, I'm sorry for, for uh, spoiling your name there, but here, here's the original creator talking to Thunder and Black Lightning's ex-wife on Twitter about the show. That, that is, that is blurgasm geeking tude right there. Back to you, Afrener. Well, you know, Salam, uh, Salim, pardon me, Salim and Mara Akil, uh, the writing team that really, you know, they're producers and they brought this to, uh, the, to the CW. Uh, we know them from the game and from Girlfriends and Being Mary Jane and so forth. So, I mean, they're, they're um, entertainment, writing, and production uh, veterans. So it's pretty cool that uh, I believe Salim is a comic book head. So he's he was very familiar with the black light mythology, and he just, you know, he just knew that he wanted to bring this to the screen. So I appreciate that. Um, I guess the part that I got to ask Daryl is, you know, I know the EKG or the MRI. I think that's what it was. The, it, the if I'm not mistaken, the, the MRI reading of the daughters. Is that what you're talking about, Daryl? Um, where back. is there? A, where is there? Yep, but not. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. But don't give it away because that's an important scene because it, it establishes a few things. So, and folks who haven't seen the show, you're gonna get a basis for each uh, each of the daughters' powers. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. All right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to research that more because I mean I did have a funny tingle because the mother noticed something was up. You know her power versus his power. Although she mistook them to be similar, but they're dissimilar in some ways. So, uh, listen, not, not everything I'm going to pick up, but I I knew I did feel something. There was something going on there. She was nervous also. So I'm, I'm going to have to leave it leave it to Daryl to to, um, to to go there. So uh, again, I I would hope that Jill Scott's going to make a return. People don't appear to stay dead for too long, and the uh, in the Black Lightning universe. And, uh, you know, something else, too, Daryl. Uh, I think last week they were joking about Supergirl. Now, am I to understand, like, listen, from what we've been told by, by from the, as far as how Berlanti's dealing with this thing, for the moment, there's not a crossover. There's no crossover with the, the Lightning verse versus the Arrowverse. However, uh, the, the mother and the daughter... We're joking about Supergirl. Now, was that meant to be Supergirl as a fictional character in the universe, or is Supergirl really in the universe? No. People forget. Remember the crossover with the Nazis and all of that? What well, of course. Was said you got there, what, okay. What was said about that? There is a Supergirl. There are 53 Supergirls, they said. There's 53 Supergirls. There's one for each of the 52 known universes and Universe X, or Earth-X, which, which they were on, which means whatever universe this is that they're in, I still want it to be the Dakota universe so I can introduce all the milestone heroes as we go and villains, but there's a Supergirl in this universe, too. People keep on forgetting that little, but it was a throwaway line. But what they said is, in each of these shows, you can expect a Supergirl. Hell, in the Arrowverse, we still haven't seen the Supergirl of that universe because there's a Supergirl there too. Remember, 
the Supergirl that, that teamed up with them on, for the crossover, that's a totally separate universe than the Arrowverse. But 53 Supergirls, there's 52 DC universes, and, and the Universe X, which is the Nazi universe. So there is a Supergirl for each of these universes. Folks, pay attention to this, man. I got you. I got you. I'm going to love it. when Here comes... Here, I, I I hope I hope the Supergirl is there with Sunshine Superman. I'm going real inside of here and and see everybody go. Oh oh, Superman is black in this universe. I would love it. Anyway, back to you, Alfred. It might happen. Now let me interject this. Let me interject this. For those people, and there shouldn't be many, you know, that have not seen this as yet, you may want to check it out. Not just from the the standpoint of the super-powered black man or daughters or anything else. There's certain interactions between man and woman, man and women and their children, you know, getting education and things of that nature that's very impressive with the show. The show has some flaws, but the interactions between Black Lightning and his, what is he, ex-wife, right, his ex-wife? Yeah, ex-wife. Ex-wife, okay. Yeah, the interactions between those two are very real. It's very interesting. It's very prominent, prominent, you know, uh, <laughs> promising. Right? Oh, so oh, Kurt, need, you, Cap, we, we, yes. we can't spoil it for you, but just to let you know, there's a scene in the laboratory that's very Afro-nerd. Okay. When I say very so, Afro-nerd, you know, between the ex-wife and him, there's a scene where, where they had, they're bantering around, and I made a note of it like, uh, yo, Deeperg has to be laughing his ass off at this because this is exactly what he would use this power for. Oh, the x-ray and vision I'll keep thing, yeah. it. Oh, why, why are you? Well, you I'm, see, not, I'm, that, I'm, not, I'm not being specific. I'm not being specific. They got to see it. <laughs> well, so, so, so anyway. You know, yeah. for anybody watching this the first time, they start from the beginning. The first episode's kind of shaky and very trophy. It gets better as you go along. By the time you get to the fourth episode, you'll probably be invested because of the interactions with the family. You know, you have to pay attention to that. Proper Negroes yeah. will, will, will like it. <laughs> and and well, maybe and even I, not so proper Negroes. <laughs> I've already figured out the way. That that Jill Scott comes back in this, by the way, because I'm thinking from what we saw last night, and I put it out on Twitter. If anybody catches my Twitter, you'll see what I put out of two DC characters mashed together that Lala could be, and in that case, anybody that's dead could be making appearance back or in the show, and and that's all I'll say about it. Uh, I, I got. Three more episodes in this year to flesh this out, but that's I, 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 my 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 blurdy sense is tingling on this one. And you know, you know something else. Uh, just a couple of things that we'll move along because this is almost a ground a grindhouse discussion. But uh, well, first of all, Daryl hinted at something I wasn't even thinking about. That okay, sure, there there is there is a there is a power girl. I'm sorry, I misspoke. There is a super girl. In this universe, we don't necessarily know if it's the Supergirl that we know of uh, that comes on, on on Mondays when when they when the show returns. It's on hiatus right now, but 
is is this or should it open the door for the Dakota verse? Like all of those characters, have there been has there been any 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 inclination that they could look into that? Like that could be a whole ball of wax unto itself. Having those black characters, and even beyond that, when you said Supergirl, you know they keep on talking about these different these different multiverses. Uh, why not Tanya Spears? You know, now I'm kind of going insider, but Tanya Spears in recent years has become quote unquote the Black Power Girl. So, you know, Power Girl and Supergirl are kind of analogs of each other. Why not? Th- why can't we see a black for for their universe and still have a crossover? Now that might be too much, might be too too insider, but there's a lot of IPs that need to be used, and I, I think this is an excellent example. As a matter of fact, I'll say this: I'll even go one step further. When they have, when they go into the commercial breaks, the musical thing that they go into, like you know, this this is Black Power, black, you know, Black Power, and he's black. I mean, it's, it's got it. Re, it reminds me so much of Static Shock. Like the the feeling of Static Shock, even though it's live action, I'm saying they they they've made this so Afrocentric in a way, kind of sort of should go towards this this Dakota verse. Uh, the DC has those characters. Daryl, what are your thoughts about that? Hey, it's what it's what I hoped for from the beginning. It's what I still hope for. Even the the powers you saw. On the on the basketball court, and the power you saw last night with a girl. Leave it alone. I'm not going to spoil too much about that. If you look at like Blood Syndicate, those powers very familiar, <laughs> including the origin. So I don't know if unconsciously the uh, uh, the the creative team pulled upon that to, for these the uh, for these two characters. Or if they did it with a purpose, like, yeah, yeah, we ain't going to say it's Dakota happening all around. We ain't going to say it's Milestone happening all around. But there's going to be some characters with some powers you may recognize if you are a fan of the series. And, and also, uh, go ahead. What kind of ratings does the show get? is it getting in respect to Flash, Arrow, Legends, things of that there's nature? Already, there's, already, there's already talk of a renewal. That they're already talking yeah, about, like that's all, it, that's of, it. all of, yeah, all of the, uh, just about all of the IPs on the, in the Arrowverse, including Black Lightning, they're already aiming for a renewal, which is yeah, pretty last, early. Last, last check, uh, as far as the superpowered fair is going, it's only behind Supernatural and on the Flash. I think the Flash is one, Supernatural three, and Black Lightning. Uh, the Flash is one, Supernatural is two, and Black Lightning is three in, in terms of that. So, and, and Supernatural just got picked up for their 14th season. So if Supernatural's getting picked up, you know they ain't canceling The Flash. They got too much invested in The Flash to cancel that. How I long think- is that show going to run, Supernatural? Dang. <laughs> well, yeah, it's crazy. They, 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 hey, and you, know, and you know tomorrow's the Scooby-Doo show, right? I was about to ask you that. I was about to ask you that. <laughs> so I think tomorrow's the Scooby Doo show. So you know it. It's got one more season at least. So hey, to all the supernatural hunters out there, congratulations! Your renewal effort worked. And, and you know something. And we'll close out on this. We're gonna go to a musical break and then we'll come back. But I'm, I gotta say this cause, because um, the captain 
hinted at something, you know, when he goes into the, the kind of proper Negro jokey thing, <laughs> he, he's on to something because, because my sensibilities and the, the listeners understand, I mean, listen, I am who I am, like Popeye and stuff. Uh, I, under normal circumstances, I probably would not like uh, Black Lightning, you know, because it, it could lend itself to kind of an empire-esque kind of thing or a power thing. You know, uh, 50 Cent, star, the Stars Network's power. You know, I, I, I don't look at empire. I don't look at power. Okay, I just, I just, I'm not into that. What, what stops it from going in that direction is, well, listen, uh, the last episode had its lean on me moment. It certainly reminded me of lean on me. He, he, he does play this, this um, well-heeled, Pensive black man is that's very straight in his in his demeanor in his in his directives. You know he he doesn't really sugarcoat stuff. I mean you know listen, this is almost like what William H. Cosby was before putting women to sleep. You know before we knew about all that those it, allegedly. So I, I like how he speaks to the students. He hands out book. What was the book that he handed out? He handed out a. He handed out a book to the student. I got to look at it again. But he handed out a, a book, book to the poetry. student. That it, it was, was Langston Hughes, book. I believe, right? It was Langston Hughes, yeah. I think. Yeah, so when, they, when they, they interject, and also, listen, when they go into, like, trap music, I understand that. But they, they, they have such a balance with this thing. You know, it's not just, like, all the way, all the way trap, all the way ghetto. You know, it's, it's, got, it's got a community trying to save itself. You got like the, the the ministers. You got the you got the the well healed people. You know, you got you got it's multiracial. You got the cops. Like everybody plays their position. So, what that's that is that is really one? if anything, if anything, it it really is. Even though it's a superhero movie, it does do a pretty good job of what the black community really is. Like most of the time what's when your, they when they when they get yeah, what's these, your, these, what's, go ahead, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, what's your favorite line? That we are not a monolith, we are not all the same. That's something uh, that this has achieved because it, it gives you all aspects of the black experience in this city. Well to do, lower rung, hell. Is there anybody that doesn't like two bits as a character? I mean, he's he's their Turk, you know. I'm about to say that. It's, yeah. it's just, <laughs> yeah, he's he's their Turk and. You also said the other word. The reason why this, no one's come out and goes, oh, I hate this show. Oh, I hate. It's because it's maintained a balance. It hasn't swung too liberal. It hasn't swung too conservative. There's elements of both. And it's the type of thing where they, when they come into conflict, even after you take the show off, you could look at Twitter and people are debating the points. And not, oh, you're wrong, I'm right. Oh, no. No, but it's some salient points being brought up by each show and each plot. Like, really, how would I act in this situation? If I, oh, how would I, I don't think that was right. Oh, man, do you see that? Oh, it, it, it's, it's water cooler. It is what, it's like how Walking Dead used to be, where after every Sunday show, at the next day, everybody's talking about it. Here, it's Twitter. It's automatic. No one's at the water cooler. Everybody's on Twitter arguing the, and debating the merits of each show. 
And that's what's helping it. That's what that's what's catapulting it right now. Goodbye. Yeah, I mean You Negroes. You Negroes. <laughs> here we go. That's that, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the gentleman, the, uh, what's his name? Um, the main, the, the the main nemesis, Whale, Tobias, Tobias Whale, yeah. Tobias Whale. Yeah, you know, uh, and I just and we we'll just go to Groover on this one. Uh, what I was going to say, I mean, Daryl essentially said it, but I guess what I what I really wanted to say is, uh, for a superhero show, it gets the closest. Again, we need to remember this is sci-fi fantasy. But I don't know if I've seen anything in the last couple of years that really gives, like, just gives you the black community as it really is. You know, not even, like, not even an idealized, either it's idealized or it's complete ghetto. There's never, like, absolute balance. The fact that you could hear a trap song, and I, hey, again, I don't like trap music. I'm not, I'm not a Chief Keef devotee, right? But I can tolerate it better when you hear Al Green in a drugstore scene. Like, I, I, gotta, I, have, to, I have to say, damn. Even, especially when they play the old soul music and something, something crazy is about to happen. It, it actually get, it might have more resonance, resonance than Luke Cage. You might. I don't want to say too, too, too early. But it, there's aspects about the music that play out very well in the show. And, the, and again, you have an, a family. And even the family is not necessarily intact but they are there and they're intelligent you know the, the wife is attractive she's a she, she's a doctor he's a he's a school principal the the daughters annoy me a little bit but they're believably annoying i gotta i gotta be honest about that they are believably annoying but we may have to revisit this again on 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 uh, sunday i don't know but I, i'm digging black lightning i, I have to admit it i'm digging it all right, folks, this is the Midweek in Review. I almost mistook it for a Grindhouse show. When we get back, I want to talk about, stu- I want to talk about stupid Rick Santorum. That should get the juices flowing for some of our folks that like the you know, more edgier things when it comes to the politics game. I mean, he's clearly, he's clearly an idiot. I usually I'm not into just calling people exactly a, you know, a pejorative, but this, this man is an idiot. He's got a CNN gig, former senator, but when I played the clip, it speaks for itself. Anyway, let's give you a little taste of Fishbone for about two minutes, and we'll be right back with Rick Santorum. This is their classic Ma and Pa. Let's groove.
Correct that they do have LPs. They they have returned. Truth Truth and Soul, Fishbone, Ma and Pa, a classic. And this is, of course, the Maybe We Can Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the uncanny Daryl B. Um, Daryl, you know, I know you remember this. I believe, um, and I kind of threw my two cents in there as well. Uh, one of the listeners was commenting on the show, and I, I don't think he was critiquing it necessarily, but he was curious as to, I guess, what we play. So he threw he threw out there. Rage against, Rage against the Machine, and we played Tom Morello cuts before. I don't think I've played Rage necessarily, but you know what? I'm pretty sure I probably have played Rage, Rage. but I've played his, his, his Street Sweeper stuff. I've played uh, certainly Prophets of Rage, which is which is his latest project with Chuck D. And uh, he mentioned Soundgarden, and, and I'm like, no, okay, I- look. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, actually, it was actually I was the guy that threw Soundgarden in the mix because uh, he was mentioning bands. He's like, oh, this one, this one, this one, and I was like, well, sorry, Soundgarden, in my opinion, is still the best of those Seattle bands. Uh, don't get me wrong, I like Nirvana, I like Pearl Jam, I love SCP, but the one that I can play on repeat all the time is Soundgarden. Black Hole Sun, what? Pretty News, what? Uh, yo, so those songs and and Chris's voice, man. I, I, the way you feel about Prince is when when I'm in a rock mood, that's how I feel about Chris, yo. Cause cause his voice, it's gravelly. But it, the power is there. That's why Soundgarden, I brought that up. And, and I guess people didn't appreciate that. I like Soundgarden better than Pearl Jam or Nirvana. But, heh, them's the breaks. Well, I was, <laughs> what, what I was going to say, and I, I don't want to talk about Afropunk for a minute because the disclosure has been, has been put out there. Um, and I'm, I, I'm always excited when I hear about the lineup. And I think there's going to be more artists forthcoming. Um, you know, I have to emphasize to the listeners and especially to, to, to that person you were speaking to that, you know, listen, I, I love grunge music as well. And I think I might have played, you know, here and there. It's, not, it's kind of unavoidable for me because I do like a lot of different kinds of music. And I, and I, I like grunge music. So if I had my way, if I had my way as far as what I personally listen to, it would be a mix mosh of a lot of stuff. It just wouldn't be like even just slowly Afropunk. It, it would be a lot more j- progressive jazz, a lot more classic rock. But for the sake of the branding of, of Afro Nerd, and, and I know you know this, there is a clear connection 
between the blurred movement and the Afropunk and and black indie and black rock movement. Because when we go to these 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 uh, events, we end up normally running into the same damn people. The same people we meet at the Schomburg, the same people we run, and even even the um, even the the folks that are uh, the vendors are practically the same. So there's a clear connection there, and it's all under urban alternative media. What we what we do is urban alternative media. So I, I have to emphasize, you know, fantastic, fantastic Negrito. I have to emphasize the internet. I have to emphasize Janelle Monet. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I remember. I remember speaking to this young lady at a computer store, and she was somehow we got to a conversation about rock music. It's a, a woman of young lady of color, black girl, black young girl, and she was going on and on, on and on about Metallica and her love for rock music. And I said, Do you know anything? Do you know that there's like a black rock movement? This is going a couple of years ago, and she looked at me quizzically like, There's a black rock movement? I said, Yeah. Like you're going, you're going yeah. on and on. Especially, I mean, listen. She could give you great detail about Soundgarden and and uh, and, and and Metallica and all of these and all of these groups. But when I said that there was that there are black people reconnecting to to, to rock musicianship, she looked at me like she never heard of such a thing. So well, that's why, that's I, why that's I, I, I can't ride on the sound. I can't. I love Soundgarden. No disrespect. I love Soundgarden, but I gotta emphasize that black folks are back involved, and some have never left. Fishbone's been been well, doing been rocking for forty goddamn years. Well, that's that's part of the reason why we're here, you know. And and unfortunately, we're gonna delve next into uh, topics that aren't as happy, but. Parallel the sound. I I forget who did the the parallel. I want to say now this. Now this did something on Facebook where the videos being shown where they went early into punk and they showed you uh, polystyrene. They showed you death and they showed you some of the current punk and alternative stars saying, yeah, when. We heard these sounds and we thought, hey, we're original. And then we're hearing these black groups. We never heard them before, but holy crap, they're like our great grandfathers of the genre. And like, oh, we got to spin this record. And folks, death, I can't not emphasize this enough. Pick up for the world to see from death. Pick that album up, listen to it. It's, it's, it's like, Pseudo bad brains Before bad brains If anything bad brains refine that sound But for the world to see By death That album seven tracks Like 24 minutes Go in it's an audio attack Leave and you'll be like I gotta spin that record again yeah, doesn't, doesn't polystyrene uh, The late polystyrene I, Again I played her on the show as well uh, I think does she have a cut called Black Christmas Yes <laughs> okay, and I played that for for obvious reasons, which is actually pretty good. But I mean, um, the, see, the folks you're mentioning, and and we played uh, quite a few uh, death jams, uh, death jams that is to the folks listening, uh, and they follow us on they follow us on Twitter. And we go back and forth. We they know we rep for them hard. Uh, they would be the proto punk. I mean, you know, we can talk about uh, Iggy Pop. 
but there's a great deal of evidence that these guys might be one of the early founders of what we know to be punky stuff. We know about the mod, the mod guys uh, in England, and we know about Iggy Pop and the Sex Pistols. But hey, they were black folks behind that, and this was discovered within the last ten years. And there's a documentary <laughs> on that. But we've we've gone into this so many times. But let me yeah. let me quickly go to the to the lineup, but, and then we got we got to talk but, about uh, Rick Santorum. Yeah, but as you bring up Rick Santorum, let me just say. That's the song "Politicians in My Eyes." Oh now yeah, well, we, cause, yeah, there, yeah, there it goes. <laughs> how many times? How many times have I played that jam? Anyway, I'm just saying. Uh, um, Afropunk Brooklyn. This last week of August, we we always talk about this thing, but they're starting off early. I think I might buy tickets like in the next couple of weeks because it's, it's. I'm I'm going to do what I got to do anyway, but uh, just to give folks. Long-time listeners understand that we we've interviewed. Uh, we maybe we'll bring it back again. Jocelyn okay. Cooper is, is the manager of the uh, of the Afropunk Festival, and boy, we interviewed her quite some time ago. And since our interview with Ms. Cooper, the the the, the franchising of Afropunk is pretty spectacular. Now I, I give a lot of credit, and I do say with a certain degree of pride that St. Albans' own LL Cool J has been able to garner his own classic hip-hop channel on Sirius. So I really dig that. I, I get it. Um, uh, what's the name of his? Uh, the Rock the Bells Radio. It's pretty cool. I can't hate on that. But yet again, we got about, I don't know, five or six, five or six different um, hip-hop channels in Sirius we can't get an Afropunk thing going. Like, this is not going on. Hundreds and thousands of people are attending these, these events in Paris, in South Africa, in London, in Brooklyn, in the, in the ATL. Anyway, I'm just saying. Uh, Erica Badu for, for Brooklyn this, this summer. Janelle Monet, uh, Twin Shadow, Miguel, Lola Wolf. Who we, Lola Wolf is, uh, is um, Lenny Kravitz's daughter is behind Lola, Lola Wolf. Uh, or fronting Lola Wolf, I should say. I mentioned the internet. Jaden Smith, he's going to be there. We saw uh, his sister was there last year. I think, actually, I think Willow Smith is going to be both, maybe separate days. Um, Nova Twins, I believe from the UK. I've actually played, we have Nova Twins on, on, our, on our boards. Uh, these are just a few of the names that are out there, and I think there's going to be even more people showing up to this thing. So, these, oh, Wicked Wisdom, damn, it's a family affair. Wicked Wisdom is Jada Smith. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be hot. All right, uh, let's, let's let's get into this. This, how's that sound to you, uh, Darrell? While I find this Santorum clip. What? Oh, well, uh, uh, right now, just having Erica Badu and Janelle Monae in the same spot on the. Uh, 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 I'm already looking for the like collab on stage. Now, I may not agree with some of Miss Badu's statements over the past couple of months. Oh yeah. But on st- oh, but but on stage, oh my God, I'm already dreaming of a of a, a mashup with Monet stepping on stage with her or Badu stepping on stage with Monet sometime during this thing because that. That you don't think I'm going to be videotaping that and blasting that all over YouTube when it happens? 
And as I say that, Miss Cooper, I really want to see some of this video you shot the last two years from Afropunk. Where is your YouTube channel? No, she Somebody has one. Before. They they have one. Yeah. They have a YouTube channel. Oh, I have not seen any of these performances from the last two ones. I got yeah, to go get back that. And, and check. Yo, some of these performances, if they put it out there, we would be pushing that to the moon. We would be tagging it. We would be twittering it. it oh. It's frustrating but, you know, but, because your advertisement is right there and they're not using it. But but listen, we got you know I'm just assuming that you're dealing with these groups, you're dealing with their lawyers, you're dealing with professional, <sighs> professionally shot. I mean, who's to say these people? You know, they might say, listen, you're you're using our performances for your benefit, not our own. I mean, the the, the music business is very you know very shaky, but uh, especially to promote Afropunk, I would love to see because I've seen. The, these performances, and I know, I know for a fact. We saw the jumbotrons in the last couple of years. They are amazing. Oh, yeah. That perform that performance with Vernon Reed and and George Clinton and Fishbone. You know, and doing Brain. James Brown and and ba- oh. yeah, and ba- doing James Brown. I know that's in high quality DV, high quality definition, high definition. Pardon me. I would love to see that. I've yet to see that. Rebroadcast on, on it. the YouTube channel could be bolstered up a little a little better. I don't know what's going on that, there. We'll have listen, to we'll have to, o- it, yeah, we'll have to table. Thing. If, Go ahead, yeah, as we get closer as we get closer to the event, we'll get into it more. But groups, legal, whoever's there, man, at least let one or two of your songs be released, or give give me a compilation like DVD. Something or, or, or like a pay-per-view special showing showing these acts or whatever. Do something like that. We got to get this word out. It's been far too long. We've been saying the same old song. You know, you can't you deal with my shaky videos on YouTube for this. You can't deal with kids freaking oh shaking the camera. No, no, no. You guys had it professionally shot. Give us a couple of these songs. It's annoying. It's so annoying. But, and now we're about to get into something more annoying. Yeah, well, and one quick thing, you know, I'm just thinking of this. You know, listen, if James Todd Smith can garner a channel, okay, I'm looking at three Smith family members, the other Smiths. You got Jada, Willow, and Jaden doing alternative music. You mean to tell me, and I know that their company, production company is Overbrook. You mean to tell me that I'm going to have to notify Overbrook or send a, a letter to say, hey, you can't get an urban alternative channel for Afropunk music, black rock music? I mean, if James Todd Smith can do it, I'm pretty sure Will Smith and his family can garner a similar. I mean, hell, Will Smith could, um, could pretty much get it, have his own uh, 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 classic hip-hop channel. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of redundant. But... I, no, I just don't understand don't, why, you, why we can't seem to get these people have enough heft to at least get a channel that's devoted to this. I mean, listen, the last conversation from what we hear that Prince had was with Will Smith. So no Prince channel or his type of music, herb alt music. I'm confused. Anyway, let's go to Rick Santorum. Folks, as I mentioned before. Former senator. Well, I need a now, beer for this. 
I'm, I'm uh, going to need a beer, right? No. Well, listen. No? Let's get into it. Uh, he said some comments as a as a critic of what has happened last week with the young folks um, that we all know. You know, they they've they've really brought it to really the globe with these with these with these these uh, high profile gun incidents. March for our lives. The, those protesters. Again, these are young people that are. You know, listen, they, they literally saw their friends die in a very violent way. So they, they become emboldened, and they're trying to get some laws changed. They're trying to really appeal to our lawmakers and say, listen, you've got to figure this out. So one, a, 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 former, a former politician, now a commentator, and Rick Santorum has been known to say some pretty you know, uh, controversial comments from a conservative, conservative perspective. So this is this is not new to him, for him, but this is really low. So let me play this. This is when he was on CNN, uh, and then we'll mix it up. Hold on. How about kids, instead of looking to someone else to solve their problem, do something about maybe taking CPR classes or trying to deal with with situations that with there is a violent shooter that you how can are they looking at other people? To to, I, I would ask you. They took action. Yeah, they took action to ask someone to pass a law. They didn't take action to say, "How do I, well, as an individual?" deal with this problem? How am I going to do something about stopping bullying within my own community? What am I going to do to actually help respond to a shooter? What am I going to do? Those are the kinds of things where you can take it internally and say, here's how I'm going to deal with this. Here's how I'm going to help the situation. I'm proud of these kids. I know you're proud of these kids, too, because you can do I'm proud of them, but I think everyone should be responsible and deal with the problems that we have to confront in our lives. And and ignoring those problems and saying they're not going to come to me and and saying some phony gun law is going to solve it. Phony gun laws don't solve these problems. That's what we found out. All right. Uh, Captain, let's go to you. Um, I got to collect my (laughs) – I got to figure out a way not to curse. Um, <laughs> your impression, sir, about what's going on here, Rick Santorum, this is comment. Well, uh, well, well, due to the administration that we have in the White House, you know, things like this is par for the course. But it's not to say if we had a different administration, this couldn't happen. But the thing about this now, you know, in this, it's it's kind of like repenting on Sunday. What do I mean by that? I misspoke, and then everything. A lot of times, not all the time. Maybe not in this case, because you're dealing with kids, but in this environment, in the environments we're dealing with, you, you do your brain fart, and then you say, I'm sorry, or I misspoke, everything goes away. You understand? Now, if he came out pretty much and said, okay, now that the kids did that, they're standing up, they're getting shot at, they don't want to be shot at, and they took their own initiative, that's great. Now, out of this, and that's what they're supposed to do. You know, and out of this, we have to get some type of legislation, something going from this. They're going to have to build with adults, yada, yada, and make them move. I like the fact that they did, though. They took their own initiative. Boom. You're good. You're clear. You understand? That right there, what he was saying was a total brain fart. Someone's shooting at you. You understand? And you get off your behind and say, I'm not having it anymore. He comes out with what he's saying to make it seem like, number one, it's, it's, just, it's just totally disoriented, like he was drinking or something, even though he didn't sound like he was drinking. <clears throat> he should be commending these young people for what they have done. But once again, 
the environment that we're in right now, and he's really not part of that environment, but yes, he is part of that environment. <laughs> you know, these are the things that you're going to see. You know, it's totally idiotic, his statements. Totally off-base, his statements. I don't know what he was thinking. Before he went to the stage, the podium, he should have sat with some advisors. That's what happens when you drink your own Kool-Aid too much. You understand? You, you, that's what happens when you're too self-important. should have sat down with somebody and said, look, this is what I'm going to say. And they would have been like, no, 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 you don't do that. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Then that off-the-cuff stuff. He messed up. He, he, he totally messed up. You know? Back over to you, Afrodur. Uh Daryl, you have any thoughts? And then I'll go in and uh, to our listeners, again, the call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Simply press 1. If you press 1, that we know. That way we know you can join in. If you have any thoughts about Rick Santorum making this statement. Um, Daryl, any thoughts on uh, you know, CPR usage in the middle of uh, well, chaos? <laughs> all right. Well, last time I was speaking with y'all, all right. I brought up the student that in the middle of that, that 17 minute walkout brought up, what are you doing individually? You know, don't bully that kid or look at how you're treating these kids. Let's try to nip it in the bud. And I thought, okay, that that's, that's a groundbreaking statement. Cause she's saying a lot of you guys out here could be guilty of setting up the next one and you've got to take personal initiative. That's what I think he was trying to say. But just as Cap just said, once you brought up, oh, you should be learning CPR. You should be learning how to take down a shooter. I'm like, excuse you. These folks just saw their classmates literally gunned down in front of them. They saw a teacher get filled with bullet holes trying to shield them so this dude wouldn't kill them. So guess what? If there's anybody that's going to be informed on reporting or or saying how they really feel, it's these kids that were in the middle of that murdergasm. Murdergasm. I'll trademark that in a second. You know? But no, no, no. You got to – I think Cap is right, okay? This is the problem with these politicians right now. You're so in line to make these statements, or uh, and and Santorum, like you said, he's a commentator now. He's not a politician, all right. But these are the type of statements where then you go and face these kids, or you face their parents, and then you're shocked when they're coming at you hard. You essentially just told traumatized kids who are trying to work through their grief that. Hey, if you did CPR and you learned how to take out a shooter, a.k.a. Danielson style, they wouldn't have died. So essentially, this isn't the gunmaker's fault. This isn't the law's fault. This is the kid's fault. This is all on you. You guys aren't marching to do anything. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, GOP, who are your public relations people? I won't say you've bungled this, but you've Cleveland Brown drafted this. You've uh, Jets first round drafted. You essentially put out a Donald Trump 5.52 in the morning tweet on this. There is no lower way 
for Rick Santorum to mess this up, but give him a chance because he he's got he's got the he's got the pulpit now. So uh, hey, I think he's got a third foot in there somewhere that he could stick in his mouth. Back to you, Alfred Nerd. Yeah, you know, um, again, you know, a, a chief component of the show, you know, of course, Afro Nerd, we deal with pop culture, specifically comics and sci-fi and fantasy as one component. But this, in my own mind's eye, you know, my, um, you know, my, my college education had dealt with uh, public administration and political science. And uh, the reason why I'm even mentioning this is because, you know, I, I thought a certain way. Let me repeat myself. I thought a certain way. And, and I, I am conservative on a lot of things. Uh, and, my, and, and I am a registered Republican and a conservative. However, uh, think logically. I think I think logically. And it was refreshing to hear uh, another CNN commentator, Tara Setmeyer. Now, Tara, Tara Setmeyer, who was, again, we're kind of on the same side of the fence. She said, I don't know what I am now. That's the first time I actually heard her say that. She said that because of this administration, she, you know, she's, she's giving kind of, a, kind of a, 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 a middling kind of answer about her, her politics because we're, at, we're in, a, in a place now, as the captain just spoke about, where the climate is allowing people to just be comfortable in being a-holes and really letting it fly. Uh, they don't want to be. They they don't they don't like you. They don't they don't want to you know what, whether it's about race or about um, you know having guns and wanting to be this kind of proud American whatever that means. These people are showing their asses. So it was refreshing to see someone like Tara kind of come out because she's really this normally this very staid stalwart conservative black woman, and now even she's saying like listen. I don't know. I don't know how to answer some of this stuff, and I I pretty much feel the same way. Seth Meyers get part of me, not Seth Meyer. Uh, Santorum is getting a check now, and the captain inferenced this. Say anything. You know, he, he say any damn thing. We are dealing with a set of folks that are trying to de- defend the indefensible. I mean, nobody in their right minds is going to tolerate being mowed down in mass the way that they are now. No one's going to tolerate this. These high profile media these high profile media exchanges that we see. This is the we're barely in April and we've had what well, I don't know 19 or 20 um high school or or public school sh- a public Sphere shootings, and these kids aren't supposed to react to that. What what are these kids supposed to do? And even these 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 conservatives are saying, well, you know, there's there's some um, some puppet strings in, in in the background who are uh, having these kids say certain things. You know, they're, they're saying that that this this is an orchestration. I don't know how much of an orchestration is really going on when people naturally have the need for self-preservation. People have the need. Anybody, who, anybody who's human who 
who would have dealt with something this horrific is going to get energized to save their lives. Even if you don't necessarily agree with these kids, you got to learn how to have some decorum and figure out a better way if you really feel that what they're doing is incorrect or you have a different position. But Santorum, you say anything. Yeah, learn learn CPR. I'm going to we have uh one of our callers, I believe from from ATL coming in. I'm going to bring him in. But I th- I must remind people that you 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 you've got to get involved at this point now. This is really you're really out on your own based on how these people are reacting. It's going to get a lot more rougher as I see it. But I I I don't have an answer for folks that are trying to defend the indefensible. I mean, this is this is not up for, this is not up for arguing. I, I don't. Uh, this is bizarro land w- w- that we're in right now. You can't, yeah, you can't argue. Think, with- I, yeah, I think Q had it right on Sunday when Q was like describing everything he had to go through to to get his certifications and oh, and then the runaround with that. It's two minds. Q, we all know Q is a responsible gun owner. He's well-trained. I can say that Q may be more trained than I am when it comes to handguns and AR-15s and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's responsible. The, the whole key of this thing is the res- how responsible are the people you are selling these weapons to. And that's the problem. Too many irresponsible people have easy access to these things. You know, I'm not saying take away all the guns, <laughs> but you see here on AfroNerd Radio, we got we get into these discussions. We're able to talk. These Republicans have taken the mic and stuffed to the forefront, and immediately when 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 they when you get a better point on them, they go to oh well PR oh well you should really shut up oh. Well, you know, it's 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 the second amendment. Oh, well, and realize you are arguing with 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. How long have we been asking for the younger generation to step up and make a difference? These kids have and you're still attacking them. I'm sorry. There's something just ass backwards about this part of my French. Well, there's, there's something else too, and I want to bring in our ATL friend. Um, when we, I think we might have mentioned this. I don't know how in, in depth depth we got when we when we discussed it. I believe we discussed it, or maybe we didn't. With um, President Trump's proposal to arm teachers, and again, I, I, I mentioned my experience in the educational system. And um, on occasion when I've walked a college campus, again, I'm talking about a college campus, although we know Virginia Tech had a similar incident going back, I don't know, maybe a decade or, or such. But um, there's, a certain, there's a certain Petri dish that the educational system is supposed to, supposed to engender. What am I talking about? Education is a sacred thing, and the environment is everything. And you are trying to instruct young people and the th- to think that you're talking about arming teachers 
first of all, you're changing the whole context of what it means to go to a school to feel comfortable in a certain environment and, and to have the mindset. Again, it takes a certain kind of temperance to learn, to have um, educational discussions, to, to, have, to be able to be taught to think. You're teaching kids to think. So how does that work when now you change the job description of your teacher? Now, your teacher has to have a gun. Uh, you have, you're talking about CPR. I, I don't, I'm, again, I think Santorum said this because it was food salad. He, he, had, he had to say something. But, what, what he's, but if, I'm to, if I'm to take what he says as valid, what you're saying is it's okay to have children learn in a bunker, to have children learn in in a, in a war zone, I mean, you're kind of admitting that that this is this is the this is this is what we this is what the kids are in, dealing with. They're li- they're learning in a war zone, so that's the end of the conversation. It's a war zone. Let's have at it. I mean, I don't hear the commentators actually discussing the change to the educational environment. Like we're just going to agree that this is you know. W- we're in the tre- we're literally in the trenches, and you got to figure out how to do calculus. Guns are being drawn. I mean, it's it's absurd. You, that's how you should be confronting these these conservatives uh, to Santorum. So you think it's appropriate that we allow for the the educational environment to change? Enough said. Let's go to four hundred four. I believe this is Nas. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, it is, man. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Hi, Nas. What up? What up? Yeah, I think you guys hit on the, the central point, and the first one would be uh, the Republican Party and conservatives figured out that, okay, this whole straight talk notion uh, gets us pretty far. So the PR firms took a more you know, soft tone and, and kind of pulled back a little bit and let these guys kind of go off the rails because that was working for them. Uh, now they're going to have to, you know, revisit that because if you let some of these guys just fully let it go, uh, you see what kind of disasters you walk yourself into. Then I would also question how long did Santorum prepare before this second? That's the best you've come up with off the cuff. Like That shows that he's really not qualified to even be sitting there. We know that guy. Uh, But, you know, to the other side of the point, when you're talking about children, whether you lay out the most brilliant answer or the dumbest answer ever heard in history, there has to be a certain amount of decorum because you're talking about children who are victims of shooting. So it doesn't matter what your point is if it's not even if it's not even put into that framework. Okay, these are kids, victims of a mass shooting. They're activated politically. This is everything everybody says they want. Okay, so let me operate. Even if I disagree, i got to operate from a certain standard and tone as far as speaking about them. Uh, and, and, you know, bigger picture, the most interesting thing I find about all of this is you go to Occupy, you go to Tea Party, you go to BLM, how much legislation are these movements actually walking away from, walking away with? Uh, to a certain degree in America, power is somewhat solidified, and they'll allow you to air your grievances and kind of, you know, let your movement dissipate. But as far as meat and bones, real policy, real change, man, it's hard to come about. And I feel like they they, they just want to let these kids rant, uh, let them get on TV, let them make their points and all of that. But in the end, 
uh, we're still in the same situation. So that's why they come with the ridiculous answers like arming teachers and all these other things that somebody would say off the cuff in a bar. Like these aren't things that people have thought about <laughs> and really looked bar. at as policy that can fix things. So I, I'm just wondering how this actually ends. And, you know, I'm, this might be contrarian, but I, I'm thinking we're not going to see much at the end of all of this sadness. Well, well, look, I got to mention this. This is another thing that's going on. Um, President President Trump's ratings aren't tanking. Even in, even in the chaos of of uh, Stormy Daniels and the other uh, play, the Playboy model and Russia, I think he's up to like forty five percent approval rating. So in the back of my mind, don't quote me on this. But in the back of my mind, I don't know what's going to happen for two, for twenty twenty. I don't know, but in my in my recesses of my mind, I believe that he's going to come up close. He may we may want him to lose, but I don't think it's going to be written in stone that Trump is going to going to go away because we we perceive all these firings and, and all this ineptness that we as men of color I got to put it that way and and those uh, white folks. Who are progressive and, and evolved Like the, the normals Let's not assume that, 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 that there's enough normals To say this is a slam dunk There's no issue Even with 2018 maybe even Turning favorably for the House And the, for the, uh, for the House and the Senate I, when it, when I kind of suspect I said you know what I think you got enough White hubris out here who feel very comfortable and say, you know what? I don't like you Negroes. I don't like you Spanish people. I don't like you gay folks. I really want to let it I really want to let my ass asshole hang out because I want the air to hit it. So I say I had to be visceral. But I said I got to speak the way I want to speak. These people really want. Some of these people really want to feel that way. And the normals, even the young children, are saying we we can't we can't handle this. I think these people really and and going back to Santorum, Santorum is a well-educated attorney, okay? So I don't believe that he didn't – we could talk about the preparedness. I think he wants to say what he wants to say. I think he got a – I think, if anything, it was more of an emotional response by basically saying, you know what, kids, shut up. The NRA is cutting me a lovely check. I don't give a F about you. So it came out, learn some CPR. I think it was food salad. I don't think, it's, I don't think it was really that much about preparedness. This man has degrees – uh, a MBA, a, a, a JD, and a BA. He is not a dummy, and he served 12 years uh, as a senator for Pennsylvania. So, to, to me, he's intelligent enough to answer a couple of softball questions in a studio. I think well, he just, well, I think a, he's a preparation though. If you're going to drop a stink bomb, it would at least be a smarter stink bomb than that. that that's my point about that. a guy this smart. He would drop it a little better than that. Think of Hitchens in that situation. That's, that's all I was trying to hear that with that. I hear what you're but saying. I hear what you're saying. But, but hold, I hear what you're saying. But we, go ahead. The, the, just real quick. Uh, your point about Trump, it's hard to measure him with normal metrics because he has that 35% firewall that no matter what, those people are going to be on his side. So I don't know if, if we should use longer, you know, longer time frames to, to really look at his approval ratings and see if they mean something. Because uh, a bad week or a good week, you know, they could, that little 7% or whatever can flip real quick. So I, I don't know if we, if, if we need to look at him like we do the standard president. 
because that thirty five percent firewall, man, that's a that's a huge advantage and also disadvantage because it doesn't really let him know where he's at. I'm gonna interject this. I'm gonna go on the record and tell you this real quick for Taylor Trump. If he runs, all right, this is gonna be inflammatory and controversial. (laughs) If he runs, if he runs, sixty two percent of the white women vote him in this time. That's all I'm saying. I said, there you go. Yeah. Like, listen. If he runs, if he runs, everyone thought. That they had it a certain way. We saw the infamous SNL episode with uh, uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, where they kind of went into uh, election night, and progressive white folks, people who who were normal, the normals said, "Oh, this is no big deal." We mis we uh, underestimated this person, and I think that we're you're dealing with how people really feel. And yet, folks that on the outside. Uh, give you an impression of being normal, and on the inside, they're a bunch of a-holes. I got to say this quickly. Um, uh, your predecessor, uh, uh, Mr. Starks, a.k.a. Um, I'm, I'm losing my goddamn memory. <laughs> uh, says that Iron Man, <laughs> Jesus, a.k.a. Iron Man, in the, in the um, Nassau school system, Long Island school system, he tells me, he has a friend, uh, a friend, a co- comrade that works in a, in a different school system, another administrator, who happens to be white, re- relatively young white male. Uh, actually, I'll say this much. I think it even hit the news that uh, he ended up being suspended. Now, this is a man that Iron Man has spoken to on countless occasions. I mean, they, they're almost running partners. Uh, white man. He thought he was the nicest cat, no issues. You know, they, they would they would email each other. Didn't have the slightest clue that it was any slightest clue there was any issues. But he does work for Barack Obama, a school named after the, the last president. Okay, this is this is the, the other gentleman, not Mr. Starks. So um, something goes down, and he's flying off with the N word. And F you people, like he has a moment where he blacks out. And he ends up being suspended or whatever. Mr. Starts calls me and says, yo, this guy is like one of my running partners who I speak to every other day. You know, know like the way he would speak to me. But then something happened where it's inward this, inward that. Oh, and now I remember more, more succinctly. He threatened to burn the school down. This man had a complete blackout, blackout moment. Now, this is a guy. What I'm saying is this man believed that this guy was on the up and up. He was uh, a running partner. Everything was all good. Something, something clicked. Now he's calling people the N-word and threatening to, threatening to burn down a school or to bomb a school out. So what I'm saying is, um, let's not pretend that we don't think that some folks that you may may be going to bed with, I'll go. That's happening too. People that you are sleeping with, that you may be related to, that you say what's up to, that you go to the movies to with, all that stuff. You think everything is all good? Deep down, you 
I'm, I'm saying it between like with my teeth gritting. They don't like you. I'm just saying. Not every, now. You know. Listen. I only go by. I only go by what I hear from you. But it's rather enlightening that we're assuming that Trump should be out of here. He's so obviously inept. Don't be shocked if he gets a second term. That's why Santorum said, get some CPR. Handle it. That's what's going on. Well, yeah, they, they, they gain momentum by saying the meanest things that they can because that's what their base wants to hear. But remember, this is not just racial resentment. This is also economic resentment. This is also a global vision of what they see for the future. So that's why this movement, uh, if you want to call it that, was popular in Europe as well as here. So the, the fact that we had open fascists running in Europe uh, for you know major offices kind of lets you know the moment in history we're at. So the Repubs and Dems uh, didn't do anything for their lives for the past 30 years. Uh, people are looking at declining living standards, uh, you know, declining uh, you know, wages and everything else. So they say, okay, we're going to go with the outsider who so-called tells it like it is. And you go with the American mythology of believing that a businessman can run the government. So you got all these stupid people who don't realize that these policies are going to hit them hardest in the pockets. And as these things start to happen, I think you'll start to see people start to awake. Uh, there was actually a, an attack from the right against him this week about that omnibus bill to where all of these <laughs> Trumpsters, who thought that he was going to be the not spending, uh, you know, no foreign wars guy are starting to open their eyes and realize like, wow, uh, this looks like, uh, you know, any other president uh, that was elected. So that, there's a whole lot that has to come down the pipe soon. The tax bill and, of course, the, the, the whole tariff idea, a lot of that is really going to bite average citizens. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. I mean, listen, you know, uh, when you have conservatives that are fairly co-signing, let's, let's, let's keep it 100. They're not critiquing Trump for for Russia's involvement in, in last year's election, in election of 2016. Uh, so what does that mean? Since when did you would you have thought that Forget about the the Democrats are always being perceived as socialists. They they called uh, Barack Obama a socialist when this man is a Harvard trained attorney. You can't get any more corporate. You can't. It's laughable that someone right. like him is 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 he's as corporate. This guy is 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 allowing for a Wall Street to exist without any kind of repercussions. No one goes to jail. Hell, even in the Netherlands, the Netherlands in their stock fiasco, people went to jail. So the socialist that they can, that they call that they call Barack Obama, uh, no one went to jail, and people were able to get uplifted, and they were able to get money from the government under under TARP and what have you. All right, that's the that's the socialist that they keep that they're referencing. The, the people that critique this man for being socialist have no problems with Trump commiserating with ex-socialists or ex-communists. So what does that mean? The, the Cambridge Analytica fiasco with Facebook, all that stuff is going down. They're not saying anything. So the only thing I can think of is the overarching issue is, well, those people over there are still white. <laughs> and we know, I mean, hey, I got to call it like I see it. When Trump was in Poland, he gave a shout-out to white, to essentially white culture. He gave a shout-out to white culture in Poland. So 
That's the connection. The connection is certain people have heard, have have had enough of hearing about the browning of America. We got to put a stop to this. So perfect. I, I perfect think point, I think man. people and are feeling. I think people are. Put, I think people are saying what they really want to say. Right. He, he won every category of white citizen, from the poorest to the wealthiest. He won every segment of that population. So that's clearly the vote that he's after. It's kind of a a, a, a stupid gambit because, of course, the population uh, rates are going to change. So you're you're kind of going for the last, uh, you know what I mean, the last hurrah. Okay, I'm going to chase this this rate while it exists, and that's kind of what the Republican Party is tied to. At some point, they're going to have to pivot. But hell, getting rid of DACA and insulting people. And, you know, doing all this immigration stuff, how do you actually expand your base while doing that at the same damn time? Well, let's, let's move things along. Uh, thanks, Nas. Appreciate it. Um, let, let's go to this. Let's, let's, let's go into giving some, some, some honoring. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this woman and her, and her uh, historic, historic sacrifice. I could say that. Uh, Linda Brown has left the building. Now, what makes Linda Brown interesting is that Linda Brown is the famous Brown, the famous plaintiff in the 1954-55 desegregation of schools case, Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas. So um, she passes at 75, and uh, I feel a certain way about that. You know, it's funny. You have these famous cases, and sometimes the case overshadows the person. Um, the Brown versus Board of Education case overturned the Plessy v. Ferguson case. The, the Plessy v. Ferguson case in 1896 essentially established segregation in the United States. And um, I, I find that you know when you go into Mrs. Brown's story, the fact that you know when she's a little girl in Topeka, that you know her father was an esteemed minister that uh, she simply wanted to go to her local school. And what's, what is uh, interesting also is that, you know, she was already living, again, this is in the early 50s. She was already living in, a, in an essentially mixed neighborhood. But uh, because of, of segregation, she would have been required to go to a school that was a few miles away from the school that was only a few blocks away, like practically around the corner, but that was a white school. And uh, there were other cases, of course, in different states that were very similar to the Brown case. But she was successful. That case was successful, obviously. And this is, and listen, this is, uh, this was a work in progress. We can't, we can't forget that you could, you have to also give Jackie Robinson his credit. Because Jackie Robinson in 1947, uh, with the assistance of Branch Rickey, they desegregated sports. So, I mean, this has been a progression. So with a heavy heart, um, I, I'm very sad about the passing of, of uh, Mrs. Brown. And again, you know, she was a little girl. You know, this is how time flies. You know, she's, she was older, obviously. But we, we don't think of her as the little girl that was attempting to – and successfully desegregated uh, schools in, in, in Kansas, so uh, and beyond. This was this went to the Supreme Court, and uh, listen, you had the the Montgomery bus boycott. I mean, this was there was a there was a, a, a number of things. You could think about the one of the greatest tragedies, Emmett Till, 
All these things happen one after another to lead us lead us to where we are today. And again, she passes when we thought we were already beyond all this stuff. Now with this current administration and uh, you know even with his Justice Department, now they're going into uh, going into affirmative action cases in these schools, so in colleges now. So you see that with the the, the wrong administration. You can certainly see some of these gains that black folk and people of color and women, that, that these gains that we've made in the last 50 or 60 years, we can see clearly that there, there is an agenda afoot that could potentially dismantle some of this stuff. So uh, it, it is very serious that we, that we revisit the sacrifices and the history that has been made that allows us to have the freedom, at least for the moment. And I say that not so facetiously. The freedoms that we ex- that we have now. Anyway, Captain, any thoughts? And we'll go to go to Daryl. Any thoughts about uh, the Brown versus Board case and desegregation, or even how it applies today, or even this this woman's passing? Well, what you said was well said. I really don't have too much to add or to take away, except for the fact that since black people have been in this country, it's been on since you've been here since day one so it's always been a struggle but what you said has been what you said was very well said so I won't add anything more to it back over to you sir Daryl any thoughts about the passing of Linda Brown and the Board of Education case well first rest in peace and the thing I immediately thought of and it doesn't have to do with Miss Brown because I think she was unavailable for this, but PBS did a special, I want to say four years ago, on Brown versus the Board of Ed. And and they interviewed, like, daughters and granddaughters, uh, and it's a very famous pick of here is little Miss Brown walking into the school on either side of her. I know Captain has seen the pic definitely. I know you've had to see the pic. You see these white women screaming and one of them getting ready to throw stuff at this kid as officers are trying to escort her into the building. What was powerful about that is the daughters and granddaughters of these women in the picture they tracked them down, and they had them all together, and they showed them the pic, and they were like, I can't believe my, my, my mom or my grandmother was capable of doing something like that. I mean, oh, my God, what was wrong with us? 2020, we, we, we may get to live that all over again. So rest in power, Miss Brown, and that's how powerful the mob mentality is. Back to you, Afro-Nerd. Ah, uh, they might have still voted for Trump. Anyway, <laughs> I don't trust oh, it. Can't oh, trust oh. it. Can't trust it. You know, we we believe that for a moment that these folks came back and, you know, um, uh, that hey, you know, they saw themselves and and came to their senses. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go to nine one seven nine one seven seven. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. What's up? Hey, Earl, calling from Northern Westchester. Hey, right, what's up, Earl. man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was I was reading the biography of uh, of Miss Brown. I think, and I think it's such a stark difference in how strategic 
the, the folks involved in the civil rights movement was in terms of being very selective on the people that they use to build a movement around. I mean, I look at this guy in, in Sacramento, uh, oh. California. Yeah. God, it was he was breaking into he was hey he was he was breaking into somebody's car. I mean, you, you know, that. you see the guy yeah. jumping the fence, you see it. I mean, yeah. should, should 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 the guy have been shot? He wasn't carrying a gun, yeah. But I don't know if you want to build a movement around a guy like that. You know, well, the, the, well. the guy was not Amadou Diallo. You know, yeah. So I yeah. I I think I think part of the I think part of the problem is when you know a lot of these movements. The the, the 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 even though they may be victims, the people that they that they that they're building these movements around is so flawed that it just weakens the whole movement. Yeah, yeah. But then, I, I, but then, as you say that, I bring up uh, Philandro Castle. All right, Castile. and uh, Castile. Excuse me. I bring that up, and everybody all of a sudden goes quiet. Here's a guy. He's a registered gun carrier. He tells the cops that, oh, I have my gun permit. It's in here. His family is in the car, and they kill him right there. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, but that's the right there. That should have sparked some change. Nothing happened. We could right. scream. Right. You know, it. it we could say we need somebody to to start a movement like like these kids over in Parkland. We could say that, but we've been trying to do the movement thing, and that that just has fallen on deaf ears because oh oh it's the black people marching again or oh they're just thugs or oh not realizing it's a valid point. All right, I've been trained in arms. Okay, and you say this dude had a crowbar. All right, fine, he had a crowbar. One shot to the arm, he drops the crowbar, or one shot to the knee, he goes down. 20 shots. 20 shots. No, it was excessive. It was excessive, no doubt about it. I mean, come on, man. Come on. That, that's, that's, where, that's where me, I come from a law and order family. All right, Eric Gardner. I'll bring up Eric Gardner again because that's, the, that's the, the best example so far. All right, and I've said it. I, the guy that choked him out, I don't blame him. He had adrenaline running on him. All right, so he's facing a bigger man. I got to take him down. He's pumped up with adrenaline. Where they messed up there is I would have sued each and every one of the five cops that are standing over as Eric Gardner is losing his life and saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. None of them. Yo, 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 yo. There's five of us here. We, we got it. We got it. Ease up. Ease up. You got backup. Not one of them moved towards that. And they stood there and watched a black man who was being restrained die. What protection was there for that? That one, everybody bungled. Because it's on video. You see the cops standing there. No one makes a move. Really? And even the guy shooting the video, you hear him say, yo, yo, he can't breathe, man. Let up, let up. There's five of you there. And no one moved to act on that. That is damning evidence. And what happens? The guy that shot the video, he gets arrested, all right? And those cops, (laughs) they still got their cushy gigs. So, yo, sometimes that's where we need the revolution. 
And now I realize by saying that I would have a target on my back, but uh, where am I not sp- spitting facts here? Afrinerd? Yeah, you know, um, when we were talking about Rick Santorum having food salad and saying something absurd about CPR, uh, which is pretty much uh, agreeing that these kids should, they should just be learning in a war zone, that we're just kind of, we're just going to kowtow. They, oh, yeah, kids are just learning in a war zone. Uh, now Parkland might as well be at some bunker somewhere. If we're going to admit to that and admit to his behavior, I, I wanted to mention this before. But the flip side of that is someone like um, Angela Rye, who kind of goes off script and kind of goes into histrionics. She's pleasant to look at, but she kind of, to me, going to what, going back to kind of where where Earl is going, is that uh, recently there was a discussion about uh, again, you know, the same topic, gun violence, and then she segued into um, gun violence and police misconduct and police brutality and the recent case in Sacramento, that she went into a whole litany and she became emotional. I mean, she's going into her thing. And when the, the, the conservative, conservative counter was, uh, who was the young man that, that, that was, you just mentioned it, Daryl, uh, the cops that were acquitted. I think it was the St. Louis case. Was it the St. Louis case where the, the, the man was on the ground with the gun in his pocket and he's wrestling with them? They shot him at Point Blank uh, Range. Oh, the Fer- the Ferguson one or the Alton no, wasn't Sterling one or the uh, Sterling? Well, it wasn't Alton <laughs> Sterling. Sterling. Sure. That's it. Okay. That's it's Sterling. Um, the the conservative counter. You know, just because someone says something you don't like, if they say something that is credible, you can't just dismiss it. And she, he was saying, listen, this man had drugs in his system. He was being uncooperative, and they found a and and it, it looked as if he was reaching for his gun, and he had a gun in his pocket. You know, he wasn't really being compliant, and she didn't want to hear that. She said, "Forget that. Young, black men are dying." Alton, she put Alton Sterling in the same category as, let's say, a, a Philando Castile or some other cases that that are, are that are a lot less ambiguous. Like you, you yeah, can't but, do that. Hold on, you but, can't do that. Okay. Hold on, Daryl. This is my point. What I'm saying is, you have to deal with each case as it is. But for the sake of your agenda, for the sake of the uh, the, the agenda train, once the agenda the agenda train has left the building, we can't get into any kind of logical discussion. Same thing with Santorum. Santorum, his crew is getting there. They are getting their way. Uh, I don't give a damn. White hubris reigns supreme. Um, you see people in in stores that are shouting out, "Trump's going to get you." I I don't like you, nigga. I I've been wanting to say that. Yeah, I said it. I mean, I've seen countless cases of little skirmishes between involving race, even between white people, that are saying, "I don't care about you. I'm going to let my freak flag fly." Trump says it's it's all good. So well, on both sides, on both sides, on both sides of the fence, you clearly see that people are so caught up in their agendas that they can't actually acknowledge or defer that yeah, you know what, you are right on this point, you are right on that point. This man was wrestling the cops, being non-compliant with a gun on him, hopped up on drugs. I don't see how, and even the young man in Sacramento, he was in the middle. Like I saw the video of the cops in, in, in the dark 
trying to deal with someone who's not being compliant. We we know they're going. Listen, he doesn't deserve to get shot out, shot dead. But these are these are situations that require respectability politics. That unfortunately is a bad a bad term. That's what Earl's what? talking about. Earl's talking about respectability politics. And uh, when we talk about someone like Linda Brown, all those people, a lot of their situations worked because they were, they dealt with respectability politics. This new crowd. <clears throat> That you notice that is mostly ineffectual. They don't deal. They don't want to deal with respectability politics. So your black ass got to suffer, Daryl. But that's but that's why I brought up Eric Garner because Eric Garner was not a model citizen. All right, he may have been trying to reform, but he was selling Lucy's, which is technically against the law unless you have a license. Okay, but what I'm saying is when you have something like that. When you have something like cops get into these confrontations and they turn down the sound on their body cams or they turn off their body cams so you don't see what's happened. If you have a situation like Mr. Castile, all right, when you have situations like that, okay, where there is a clear infraction done by law enforcement, then guess what? When they get acquitted, then go after them ham. But that's where it's on these agencies that are in our best interest to know what you're attacking. Hey, you guys have heard me argue this for years, and I've broken it down, each of these cases. And uh, can you say I've been wrong on any of the wh- where the legal part of this is? Because, yo, you could say, oh, I was fearing for my life. Oh, I was fearing for my life. Then why is there nine shots in his back? Oh, I, I, I was fearing for my life. I was fearing for my life. Oh, you had five cops there to back you up. Oh, I was fearing for my life. I was fearing for my life. The dude had his wife and his kid in the car. He was going to attack you. You know, the, the, we got to get better at looking at some of these things to attack some of these. Because, like I said, 90% of the cops out there, pretty cool dudes. 90%. Pretty okay guys, but the 10% out there that, that decide that they're Chuck Norris or it's the Wild Wild West, that's where we're having problems, and that's what's bringing everything down, and that's where, you know, we're all in trouble because our folks don't know how to combat that. We get emotional. We don't get rational. That's a big problem. Sorry about that. Go right ahead, Afro-Nurse. Yeah, well, I'm not going to say too much more on this. I mean, this is kind of on, uh, on repeat. But, uh, again, if you discuss this with certain folks, especially people who the Angela Rise and that whole crew, they're so glued to a certain um, ideology. that, And that's what's pro- on both sides of the fence. On both sides of the fence. Listen, I, I, I have readily admitted that I, 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 I'm on the conservative side, but I, I'm not so glued to it where I won't listen to you. I will concede to some stuff. But a real ideologue will not get up off of his off of his belief. It's like a religion. Yeah, you try to rationalize with someone who's in a, who's religious. Good luck with that. So this is what you, this is kind of sort of what you're dealing with. My issue is, and you're kind of you, you went into it, Daryl. Is uh, there's way too many stories like this, where again, to constantly repeat the unfairness that these police officers are putting out there to. Uh, to, to the to black folk, it's like at this point, like I mean, okay, uh, newsflash, crackers aren't treating you fairly. 
I have to be blunt. I'm not talking about progressive, evolved white people. I'm talking just like Nignogs. There are Nignogs, and there are people who. In what universe have we seen a racist white person treat you fairly? So if if that's the case, you better get your chessboard out and figure out how to deal with these people. But the, but we can never have that conversation. So what we do, which I think is actually more uh, disingenuous. Is that we we massage people, we make them feel good, we listen to them, listen to them crying instead of actually telling them how to do some boss moves or some 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 chess moves on how to deal with people that probably don't like you. When Walter Scott was stopped by the this policeman the first time out, he could still be alive today. Some a fifty year old a fifty year old man, I see this man jump out of his car and run like an idiot. And then he thinks he can play chase with a cop. He he thought this cop was going to cut him. He thought the cop was going to look at him like a human being. He took that chance. I would never do that. Who does that? Who wrestles with a who wrestles with the cop? These policemen they don't see you as a human being. Now we notice that we see some white fools. Some they, they, those guys and women actually sometimes get out of it alive. I heard about a, a, a woman, a white woman, did something crazy. I think she shot at the cops. She got wounded in the shoulder. She got wounded in the shoulder. I see countless cases where white fools are able to walk away. Why is that? Because the white cop and even the black cop oftentimes sees you, sees them as a human being. You are not going to get that treatment if you know that more than likely – this guy does not see you as his equal. Why do you ramp up the situation? That's all I gotta ask. Why? This kid is being chased in the middle of the night by a cop, thinking that at the very least I'm gonna come out of this alive. Really? Who does that? We can never ask that question. Am I being? Am I being a? Uh, a coon, as they would say. Am I being Uncle Tom by asking, can't we develop some strategies to learn how to survive these encounters? Because I don't think that uh, racist white crackers actually care about black people. News at 11. I mean, at some point, I don't feel anything when I see black mothers crying. They're always crying. Because your son is an idiot. I'm sorry. We got to start speaking that bluntly. I don't want to see black men and women dying. I don't, I'm, I'm black. I don't want to see it. But we do have to be a little bit more intelligent when we move in these streets. Am I saying, am I speaking Mandarin? Earl, what do you think? I know you have daughters. I know you taught them how to navigate. Do, they, do your daughters believe that these racist white people look at them the same way as uh, uh, some blonde woman? And as a matter of fact, when I moved from Brooklyn to the suburbs, I made sure my kids, and made sure those officers knew me. There's a very small police department here, so it's easy to do, and a lot of them live in the community. But I made sure they know me. I made sure they knew my kids. So, and of course, they were raised just like I was raised to respect the cop. When I when I grew up in Bed Stuy, I did stupid things that kids do in Bed Stuy, but. When I got caught by a cop, oftentimes I was doing the wrong thing, whether it be jumping the turnstile or whatever I was doing stupid. Because my grandfather told me to respect the cop, 
most of the time the cop just told me he saw the respect and he sh- and he saw the, the the fear and the respect that I had for him. And basically he said, listen, don't do it again. Get out of here, kid. And that was my experience as a kid growing up in Bed-Stuy. I would never confront a cop, never. Well, first of all, I was more scared of my of my grandfather finding out that I got in trouble with the law than anything. So there's no way I was going to disrespect the cop. But then again, I had that male figure to teach me that. A lot of these, a lot of these kids don't have that. So that's where we are today. And look, I want to get into we got a few minutes remaining, so I want to talk about this Brooks Institute study about black men, purportedly. Uh, being the cause of black women not being uh, upperly mobile. We gotta, we're going to get into that as well. But uh, it's actually connected to, and I would advise the listenership to actually check out this YouTube channel. Uh, I've mentioned Yvette Carnell quite a few times, and you know, I, I really don't agree with, and I, and I don't want to say agree, because we really can't get into this thing about, well, I don't agree with you. And uh, Listen, it's more about we contour and we contrast. We contour and we contrast. Because it's stupid to think, that I have to agree with everyone or everyone has to agree with me. But I do go into, if I listen to what you say and you spit out facts and figures, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with the scholarship. So I don't really do too much of that. So when she goes into facts and figures, I don't really disagree with her too much. And also when she talks about, uh, and I I agree wholeheartedly, when she talks about um, many or some black women looking for patriarchy from black men, as if they were white men, she laid it out. She laid it out clear, like that's that's just foolishness. But I think some of our women are looking at black men under feminism, under white feminists, looking at black men in the same, under the same lens. That's just not going to fly. I've encountered that personally. So what am I saying? What, what I'm saying is, um, I, we we're going to have to get to the point to, to tell these people, and even Yvette. She goes into this, and that's when she starts losing me. This whole, this whole like uh, respectability politics answer to everything. I'm confused by that. Like, like as long it's like I don't have to get a, I don't have to get a college degree. I don't have to abide by the law. I don't have to pull up my pants. I don't have to do anything because it's respectability politics. I don't have to talk to that. I don't have to talk to this police officer in a certain way because that's respectability politics. Respectability politics is, uh, is it's, it's the I'm a real in paradigm that no one wants to talk about. I'm noticing that almost that, that entire crew, people that think that way, they also throw out respectability, F those respectability politics. That um, uh, Sensei Seren that had a problem with uh, Bruno Mars. She's a, a respectability policy. Everyone has a thing about respectability policy. I'm like, what is it about these people that they have a bug in their behinds about respectability politics? And, and, and that's, where I, that's where they lose me. It's not about respecting, like, doing things to please white people. It's not about that. It's about having our own standards and, and using some intelligence to survive an encounter. But once, you, but once you're dead in the ground, then these people have something. Well, he, this is respectability politics. I'm, I lost my life, and you and you over my grave yelling respectability politics. Really? Anyway, we got about 14 minutes remaining. Let's go into this deal with um, 
with this Brookings Institute. Captain, did you happen to see this thing? It's making the rounds. So I did. I believe the Atlanta Black Star had this, maybe even the root, and it made the uh, the Twitterverse black Twitter, I suspect, because that what they're saying. I don't really agree with this. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with how it's interpreted, but it is what it is. The Brookings Institute comes out with this study that essentially says that black men, uh, you know, because of low performance, um, not being able to garner jobs that are of equal pay to their white male counterparts, that their connection to black women prevents black black women from being upwardly mobile. So I'm curious as to what do you think that means? You know, how do you, how do you perceive that? Um, black men looked at it like, well, it pretty much puts us back to square one. Well, we're the cause for black women's essentially. I mean, you're it, saying it's, you know, you got a study behind that. Can I say something, Afroner? Sure, Go ahead, sure, sir. sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you know. I mean, I don't think they should be. They should particularly be picking on black men, but there's some truth to that, and, and this is what I mean. Okay, so I was fortunate enough to make it out of bed Okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing all right for my nuclear family, but I've got extended family. I can't fool myself. Okay, I moved to the suburbs. I've got brother. I got a brother. I've got cousins that I don't want to call them a burden on me because I'm trying to help help them, but so there, there is a problem. Most of us, you know, even those of us who quote unquote have made it, we've got family that, that for whatever reason, you know, have not, and we got to support them. And, mm-hmm. and it does cut. I mean, and actually I'm very different than my wife. My wife, she comes from a different culture, but being a New Yorker is a little easier for me. I just people in my family I had to cut off because if I didn't cut them off, I'd be broke. <laughs> I hear you. I understand that. I'd be broke. So it's it's the similar thing. So you know we know what the we know what the the, the statistics are in terms of income, education, unemployment, incarceration. So it's not like even if we make it out. We we still you know we still have I don't want to call them dependents, but we still have people that you know we you know and we should we should reach in to to help them out. But most of us, I mean you know we ain't making it like that. I don't have those. I don't have the resources to. So I have to be selective in terms of who in my family I, I you know I can help out. Because I just don't have those resources. So similar thing, you know. So if if you're a black woman, the pool, you know. I mean, I went to my I went to my uh, uh, I, I graduated from Baruch. I went to I went. They had an alumni thing, uh, and most of the most of my 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 most of the women were not married. And I'm looking at the new the the, the women the, the younger sisters in graduate school. It's like. You know, particularly if you're looking at Americans, not not Africans, and not you know not black immigrants. 
it's mostly black sisters getting getting the MBAs and the graduate degrees. So there's a there's a problem. There's a big imbalance. You know, there's a there's 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 a there's a, there's a huge imbalance. So there's probably some truth to that, but I just don't like them. You know, again, hey, it's because of the black man that no, I, I don't think that's that's you know right, I, I don't think you know I don't think that's right. Let me go in. All right, since they started the war on drugs, which really should not have been in the black and white community. Let me explain. You know, you had certain people that were politicians, and also there's some other evidence showing some other stuff. I won't go into that. You had certain politicians pushing their war on drugs. If you look at statistics, right, across the demographics, the same amount of black people and the same amount of white people, same amount of Latin people, same amount of Asian people within that group, Use drugs and also sell drugs to each other. That's according to statistics. You can look it up. That's 10%. 10% of Asians, they're going to use and either sell drugs. Someone who buys drugs, they normally look like themselves. Same thing for blacks. Same thing for whites. Same thing for Latin. So that war on drugs, if you were just looking to fill your prisons up, since the United States is 62% white, and also, if you put in white Latin people, it's 72%. Where should the war of drugs went? With white people. Not black and Latinos, but it did not. So, now, once you catch that felony in this system, city, state, federal, private industry, you're barred from. They cut you out of housing also. So you're not a lot of times you can't stay there, like public housing and things like that. So it screws up the whole dynamic, the whole paradigm that we have with each other gets screwed up. They're not running around arrest, arresting black women in droves. They're arresting black males in droves. They're arresting uh, Latin males in droves. Well, they arrest us even more, according to statistics. Totally screws us up. You understand? Totally screws us up. And they, and they don't take any responsibility for that, because that really should not have happened. That's something that was done to us, according to statistics. really should not have happened. You see the opioid de- epidemic now, which is mainly white. Of course, you have other people that use these drugs. What are they doing? They're giving them treatment. They're not throwing them in jail. Because you throw them in prison and give them felony, it devastates the community. It totally devastates it. You understand? After 10 years, you will see a difference. There'll be a seesaw effect between the women and the men. So even if you got a degree and you got that felony, what you doing? Where are you working? You got to figure it out not that easy, all right? And this is a thing they don't talk about. So there is some validity to this study once you catch that felony. If you don't have that felony, I don't think that's really the case because all the people that I know, based on the captain's empirical evidence, they're black male who's with the black woman. The black male is making more money. Woman is doing all right, except for one, except for one person. I know this situation. But that's the reality of the situation. But they don't have that felony. Now, when I look at the other group where they have that felony and they're trying to figure it out, he might be, you know, we figure out, make $400, $500 a week. She's making 1000 You understand what I'm saying? She don't have the felony. But he has to work around parameters. If he's lucky, he can get a construction job where he can make some real money. He can make that $1,000 a week. See, so when you do these studies, you got to look at it entirely what's, got, what's happening. There is some validity. 
There is some validity to it. But that thing right there, that war on the drugs, devastated the black community and the Latin community. You catch that felony, that's it. You done, man. Your private job, your federal job, state job, city job, you're not getting that. A lot of these jobs will be came up with. They will let you go with the construction. So a lot of times, at least here in New York, as long as you're not a murderer. All that other stuff is not happening, bro. You got to figure it out. So we got to be careful how we look at these studies. Back on to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, real quickly, uh, we got about six minutes remaining. Uh, I want to read a little bit about this, and I, and I have a couple of things um, that I find interesting about how to really look at this topic. Um, again, this is from the Atlanta Black Star, and it says, uh, a new Brookings Institute study has black folks up in arms over its suggestion that black men negatively affect the upward mobility of black women, particularly when it comes to finances. The report published Thursday, March 22nd, is the latest in a growing body of literature that suggests race gaps in the inheritance of intergenerational poverty is largely the result of poor outcomes for African-American men. When examined along gender lines, the analysis implies black women have roughly the same odds of escaping poverty as white women, that is, until they wed a black man. Black women face a very high risk of being stuck in poverty, 62%, surpassing even the 50% risk faced by black men, the study says. The headline finding here is that among those who grew up poor, black women are the only group showing a marked difference between the risk of being in the bottom quintile of the individual earnings distribution for each gender and the risk of being in the bottom quintile of the family income distribution for the whole age cohort. Black women do reasonably well on the first and very poorly on the second, it adds. This result, uh, this result is probably driven by the fact that black women tend to create families with the black men who do poorly on both counts and thus bring down the family income results for black women. Uh, the key to closing the income gap, gap between black and white women, the study concluded, must begin with narrowing intergenerational income gaps between black and white men by helping the former earn more money to support their families. All right. You know, it's funny that you're getting these these um, these studies because you know we spoke about the other study, you know, the Harvard study that was uh, discussed from the uh, New York Times that spoke about well-to-do black boys or black boys that come from well-to-do families, and yet their outcomes are not you know are completely dis- dissimilar from their white male neighbor slash counterparts and even di- even dissimilar from poor white males. Uh, they said that black females that come from well-to-do families, they pretty much stay the same or go onward and upward. There's no real deleterious effect from where they, from where they come from. So there's de- there's definitely a thing: masculinity, black manhood, black ex- black male expectations. The way this is being discussed is being discussed as if white male expectations and black male expectations are analogous and they exist in some kind of vacuum. Um, I, I what comes to my mind also is that there's a book, there's an, an author. The book is called – this is going quite some time. This book may be 10 or 15 years old, maybe 15 years or more old. It's called Make Me Want to Holler, 
Make Me Want to Holler, and the author is Nathan McCall. Now, the reason why that book comes to my mind is that the author went to jail. He went to jail. I forgot what he went to jail for. I, and I don't think it was murder or anything, but he did go to jail for some time. And you know what normally happens that for a black male coming out of jail, that your job prospects are very difficult. That once you have a record, it's, it's, it's almost done for you. This man, and we've heard some stories, this man was able to, to garner uh, a journalism career. And now, you know, it was a moment in time, but he's onward, onward and upward. He was able to kind of dismantle that, that, uh, that trope that if you come from jail, if you come out of jail, you can't really make it. So what I'm saying is, whether we want to agree or not, black women support each other. And their gender, we understand black women have issues, but they, what happens to them as a gender does not happen to us as a gender. That distinction must be made. Um, black men, I think, are going to have to figure out a way, coalesce with each other, and become more comfortable with each other, get away from this kind of um, rivalry and, and, and this constant bickering back and forth where we can fit in, fit in, get together, and try to craft some kind of infrastructure, try to craft some kind of autonomy Craft a craft a business model. There's, there there are uh, what a thousand ways to skin a cat. It can't always be you know going into these corporate centers. There's statistics that 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 uh, that prove this. You know, gay gay black men and and uh, black females do better in corporate centers. They just do. It, we we can speculate why that is. Perceived as not being threatening. Afternoon? Yes. But I think all that said, and I agree, there's also more to it. Because on, on you, you got three eligible, it's you, this cap, there's three eligible blacks, college educated. None of you guys is married. None of you guys got family. So what's that? So what's going on there? That's something else that needs to be looked at. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Yeah, right? well, but that's a big part of it because all, yeah, all yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, like it's not yeah. like all of us are to like you know felons in the system. You know, not all of all of us black men are felons in the system. Okay, mm-hmm. with this. So what's going that on with that other group? Dark. That needs to be an after-dark <laughs> discussion. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk about tell it. You the truth, we 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 got to dig. There's a lot to dig in with that. <laughs> you're not gonna play. Uh, you have to play your thing, Alpha Nerd, where you said, "What's the thing you play whenever you start talking about women?" There's a thing you play. Do you feel good? No, the thing again? you play. When when I aggravate you about the sisters, and you oh. you always play it. Well, the classic. What is the thing? No, there's a little. It's a like it's like a scream. It's like a statement. When I get you started on on the black women thing, you always play it. Well, I don't know, man. But we'll, we'll, we'll get it. You play. You hit the button and you play it. Yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> sound effects. Well, let me. We yeah, go it's to, a sound actually, effect. We're already pretty much. The show's pretty much. You're already already at the podcast. You're in the podcast. But I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 save this much and then we'll move along. Uh, look, if it, I can speak for the captain in this regard. Marriage is not something 
you could just jump into like you get a, a brand new car. We, we have seen friends also ruined by marriages. Uh, I, you know, listen, I saw a success and have and continue to see a successful marriage in my parents, but, but trying to find that in the new world order is not easy. And so we're just going to uh, let the Nick Nods have the babies. We just going to let the Nick Nods make all the babies. That's part of the problem. Well, well, well look, um, I appreciate what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I can't just have a kid with anybody. I got to make sure this woman is on the same that's Moral. it. What, what do you want from me? That's what you're supposed to put. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Don't say anymore. You need a long run up in order to yeah, okay. I'm about to say, you, you open it up a whole can we we, we can what talk about it. What do you want from up. me? We could talk yeah, about it. Yeah, you need a long run up. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that up for the next next broadcast, and I think we will work on some kind of after dark thing, man. Anyway, yeah, Earl, we, we should let me know so like we, we can have some deep conversations and 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 have some married guys, some of your friends who are married, <laughs> join in. With hey, family. They tell you, even the ones that are divorced, you, baby. If I, so they tell me, don't get married. <laughs> I'll be <doing> that. <laughs> it's crazy about it. I want you guys to be miserable like me. That's all of this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, <laughs> uh, Earl. Appreciate it, man. Time to go. Time to go out. Grace Jones, Slaves to Rhythm. Uh, Sunday, seven six p.m. Spin wheel. Thanks, Earl.
for retaliation. I came to hold the case to a crime box, six under. Impulsive, no ask, wild wonder. Order give the meaning, strike, and I'm thunder. With lightning back, reflexes, on times and alert from the constant hurt that seems limitless with no drop of pressure. Feel like everybody's out to test until they see a break. You can't conceal the hate that consumes you. I'm the reason why you feel like you're a loser. Deal with your old lady at the tilt. I got a 90-day visit and I feel with guilt. From scenes to the scene. The water's from a bottle of mine from a keg. In the night, I get a shot. Swing for my life, sleeper. The cost of life is easy to get cheaper. Out in the desert with a new sweeper. The war is over. Smoke that speaker. With the fight through on. Maybe the hymns are just a pawn. So he can advance. Remember when they used to dance. All I want to do is dance.